Hello, neighbor, and welcome to Folk You Radio, where we ask our neighbors, what do you know? Folk University is an experiment in neighborliness, in slow learning, and using our interests, our skills, and our beliefs as a way of connecting and bringing each other closer in community. And what better time to do this than when issues are complex without easy answers? So today, we are taking our skills as neighbors and applying them to one of the big issues of the day on Cortez. TELUS has presented a proposal to put a series of new towers on Cortez Island to use both for cell service and 5G, 6G services, and to lease space to other 5G, 6G providers. The first of these are slated for landing in the heart of Manson's Landing Village on the lands belonging to our Salaman Nation neighbors. This is just the newest development in a relationship with the TELUS Corporation and their desire to place more cell phone and now wireless internet-capable towers on Cortez Island. To better understand more of this story, where we are today, the Cortez Island community response, the concerns of nearby neighbors, what the different technologies mean, I have a variety of guests coming on today, including our regional district representative, Noba Anderson, Neighbor and Safe Tech Cortez representative, Yulia. Um, there's a bunch of last names here that are actually really hard to say, and I'm just realizing I did not practice saying them beforehand. So I'm going to use first names for now. Uh, local island boy and former Twincom superstar, Om Beach, and local reporter, Anastasia. And you, neighbor. I want to hear from you, as always. Uh, and I've already heard from some of you, so thank you. So this is a full house, but I'm going to leave time to have call-ins from you. So thanks again to those who already emailed us at you at folk you, letter U at F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. And during breaks, I'm going to put on some musical interlude, interludes, as I often do, and I hope you will call in at 250-935-0200. So when you call in, I will give you the option today to go on the air. So exciting opportunities here at FOCU today. But if you do go on the air, then I ask you please to remember to keep it short, short, really short, short, shorter than maybe you think, and to keep your language family friendly. So G-rated. We are community radio here. So where are you listening from today, neighbor? Who are those people that have walked and cared for the land, the water, the air, where you live, work, and play? Cortez Community Radio sits on the ancestral and territorial lands of the Klahus, the Klaman, and the Hamako peoples. I'd like to thank this land, the people who have walked this land through time, and all those that continue to love and work to honor this place we call home. I will also take a moment to make a disclaimer. The views that you will hear today, including my own personal views, are those of the people that hold them. They are not necessarily shared by the staff, the board, the volunteers of this, your community radio station. 
If you have differing information, opinions, or views, as always, I invite you to share them by calling in today to 250-935-0200 or just emailing me to let me know at the letter U at folkyou.ca. All right, excuse that long intro today, <laughs> the many disclaimers that we must make. Uh, so welcome very much to our first guest, Director Nova Anderson. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you kindly. My pleasure. And I uh, invited you today because you have done um, on the Tideline and other places a really great uh, and fulsome, what I felt like was really great and fulsome kind of overview of what is going on um, with this TELUS Tower proposal and how it is different from those and similar to those that have come forward in the near future um, uh, or in the near past, <laughs> the near future. Um, hopefully we don't know that yet, but maybe we can predict. So the, the recent memory proposals. So what's different now um, and what's similar from what's come before? Okay. Well, thank you. So I was first approached by TELUS just over a year ago, I, I would say maybe November or so, a year and a bit ago, um, expressing their interest in erecting three telecommunications towers. I don't know that they actually technically call them cell phone towers, but that's what we use colloquially. And so I entered into a good-spirited conversation around um, where those might go and uh, what kind of community engagement there might be. So they quite rightly addressed the regional district as the land use planning authority for the majority of the lands on Cortez Island in uh, January, just a year ago now, and let us know that they were interested in indeed three towers. And they didn't have a specific locations for all of them, but were interested in um, one in each of our three sort of main neighborhoods of Squirrel Cove, Mansons, and Whale Town. Um, I don't remember specifically at the time whether they presented at the board, but I think at that time, they shared with us that they were interested in putting one up on lands that they own, privately own, just up the hill here from from the hall at the intersection of Beasley and Rexford Road. They've got oh, three or five acres or so there that they have um, a little building on. And at the time, the regional district responded saying that they wanted um, a rezoning process because in our zoning bylaw that was written some decades ago, this original um, piece, the community wanted input on where large towers went. Um, however, rightly so, it really is a federal jurisdiction. It's not really our place to demand um, rezoning applications. So we said, well, then please engage in some kind of community consultation process that is similar in, in depth and breadth to a rezoning process, which allows for a community meeting in person, allows for people to write in and, and see each other's comments and have a community discussion. Um, I made it known that I was interested in having the community hear the, the full three proposals rather than, you know, one at a time. And so they began uh, a community input process for a proposal on, on their land, as I say, up, up the way. Um, but it was just written comment that they were inviting. They didn't offer a community meeting because the federal regulations don't require it. Now, maybe they would have gotten to that on that land. I don't know. Uh, but they received certainly enough comment that wasn't super supportive that they kind of went back to you know, think about what other options there were. I was copied on 60 letters. I don't know if that was all or half or, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but the vast majority, I think all but two of those letters, um, were not 
in support as presently proposed necessarily. Um, there, I think, were two letters that just said, go for it, great, we need them. And the others either had great concerns around um, health effects or around community process. Most of the letters wanted some kind of more fulsome community process. Um, so that file got closed, and all of that community input closed with it. And they opened uh, a new application proposal just down the road on the Tlaaman uh, Nation's treaty land. Uh, and Tlaaman has its own land use planning authority um, as its own nation, its own land. And by absolute all rights, has the ability to decide what happens on that land. So um, TELUS is now in conversation with the Tlaaman Nation about locating a tower there. And did, as far as I can tell, the, the bare federal requirements in terms of community consultation, they advised, they put a note in the print media, which is they required to do, and the closest one that they were aware of was on Quadra. And they advised the two immediate neighbors. I have not seen any outreach by them beyond that. And uh, I certainly know that community members here have um, you know, spread the word beyond, and there's there's a lot of response. I'm I haven't asked people to copy me on this round of letters because it's not my land use planning authority. It's not my decision, but I have reached out to Tlaaman and have asked for an audience with them to be able to give the larger context of Cortez and the Connected Coast project and the interplay between the two, and share with them the letters that were received in the first round that I don't think they will receive otherwise through Telus. And can you tell me a little bit more about what you know around the closing out of that first round? So you said that um, they closed their first proposal. Uh, it apparently, like either, I mean, was it denied? Was it not successful? Or did they just um, withdraw their bid? And I know that part of, at that time, what you had asked them as part of that proposal was if they could wait to see what the community feel was after the Connected Coast process. So can you tell us a little bit more about those aspects? Sure. So the regional district, if my memory serves correct, only asked that they engage in a meaningful community consultation process. I then further asked them to hold off <clears throat> until the, the Connected Coast fiber optic cable was in the ground and connected to people's homes, because I'm interested to know how that will change the telecommunications landscape. It might not change the phone landscape very much, and it might have more impact than people think. Um, and I've learned a whole lot, even in the last year, about how the fiber will potentially change in the phone landscape. Um <clears throat> Sorry, I've, I've lost track of your questions. So the, the interplay between that and Connected Coast? Oh, the file, closing of the file. So I only learned recently in my outreach to TELUS, because I called to ask if the input received from the first round would be shared with Tlaaman, or could I receive copies of them, or would they notify those people writing that there was another proposal? And they treat it as a, just an entirely separate matter. Um, as far as I know, it's not a bid or an application to anyone else. It's simply them going through their required community consultation process. And then if they think it's a good spot, then they will proceed and they will go to the land use planning authority, which would have been the regional district in that case, and have asked for our support, our land use support. And with our support, 
then they would have erected a tower and informed the feds of it. But there isn't really an approval process, as far as I'm aware, with the federal government. Um, but they do require concurrence from the land use authority. So either the regional district or, the, or a First Nation. Um, so because they decided to not pursue that location, they simply closed the file and opened an entire new one down the road, which, you know, I, I understand, but it it's, doesn't hold a a whole community view of things. Um, their, their assessment is that it would only be people immediately adjacent that would be particularly impacted and particularly care. And perhaps in a suburban environment, that's much more the case. But as we well know, Cortez has a real sense of itself and likes to hear what we all think and have a conversation with each other and understand what's happening on the whole island that I may live in Welltown, but I still care what's happening in the other neighborhoods here. So um, anyway, that's just not the rules that they have to follow and therefore are not going above and beyond that. And do we know anything about the, uh, what the, the rest of that proposal? Are the other towers, uh, it sounds like they're not actually part of this proposal because each tower is its own thing, Correct. but are they talking about their plan as a whole? Um, do you know any other details about what's actually on the table? Sure. Um, I know that they had in Squirrel Cove looked at <clears throat> at least one private property to locate a tower. And I know there was some conversation with the Clahoos Nation about potentially locating a tower um, on the reserve lands there. I was recently informed by TELUS that the Squirrel Cove proposal, wherever it may go, is not being pursued at this time. Now, I don't know if that means they'll pick it up in a month or a year or never, or I, I don't know. But I certainly know that they did want three, and I wouldn't expect it would be otherwise. In Whaletown, I know that they approached a number of different landowners over the past year looking for an appropriate site. Um, and I understand that there is a, a draft agreement with one landowner uh, in Whaletown. Um, and the only way I directly got that, although I've heard rumor from many sources, was from the piece that Anastasia did uh, with TELUS, and TELUS did indeed confirm that they're working on a proposal in Whaletown. And I, I believe I know where that is, but I don't have that firsthand. Um, but wherever it is in Whaletown, it would be part of the, the Strathcona Regional District's Land Use Planning Authority. So they would be coming to us shortly, um, presumably with with some kind of proposal there. And in Squirrel Cove, it could go either way. It could be with the SRD if it's not on Clahoos land, or it would go with Clahoos if it was on their land. So uh, then, so first it's finding a place to put it. Correct. And then it's getting what you described as um, concurrence with the the land use planning um, authority, which in the case of the tower in Manson's village is the CLAM, and but in the case if it were a private landowner or um, some other place on the island that was not First Nations, is the Strathcona Regional District. Correct. Is that right? Um, and so I I did reach out to the to the regional district to better understand what you know like what would like do, do like do we have zoning around this do we have guidelines etc and so this is what i um so i reached out to uh uh anico nelson which i may have again butchered that name and i'm sorry anico anico yep. um, and she is the senior manager of community services with the regional district and so um you know 
what I asked for was not so much of a media statement. I was just asking for clarification about what like what what kind of power do, do local communities have usually. And she says that local governments cannot prohibit cell towers through zoning. And they have limited jurisdiction over the installation of cell towers, especially in absence of a tower placement policy or protocol, which the Strathcona Regional District does not have. A policy or protocol is still limited in that it is primarily limited to informing the siting and height of the tower and setting out the consultation process required. Where there is no policy in place, the cell provider is required to consult as per the Innovation, Science, and Economic Development, ISED, Canada default process. And there is a link about where you can go and learn more about that process. Um, And then she says, this is problematic when telecoms place cell towers on other federal or First Nations lands, which effectively negates municipal and regional government input and requirements for letter of concurrence. So, um, but I'm assuming that there's still letters of concurrence required by the First Nation. Yes. Um, That's okay. Um, But in this case, uh, this siting, the the first nation which has the land which is required to give concurrence does not have um neighbors um of their of that nation living directly under the tower proposed tower i believe is that right well there is no residence there's no tlaman residence at pokianam at this time no um, my understanding is that they are interested in doing things with that land, um, seasonal for now and potentially a village in the long run. Um, but at, at present, no, there's no inhabitants there. And although the nation is uh, responsible to its membership, I trust that as a government body, they will be open to input received by the people who are, you know, believe themselves to be affected by the tower and have certainly been responsive to my outreaches. And do we know whether the the Klam and Nation have um, protocols, uh, telecommunication protocols um, in place already? I don't know that. Nope. Um, and so when I read the statement from the SRD, it sounds like we are indeed in sort of a... a a more reactive place um, as a community because we don't have um, these protocols. Well, if we as a regional district had developed a policy that said, hey, when there's a proposal for for telecommunications tower, this is the kind of community consultation that we want. And here's some of the parameters. We can't say no, but here's here's some of the considerations that we'd like you to take into a place. It could have been more robust than the very minimum federal default, uh, but we don't have that. And so when I... Um, suggest to tell us that they do a more robust consultation, um, often they'll respond saying, well, but you haven't guided us to it. So this is, we have this, this default that we're, we're doing, um, which certainly wouldn't preclude them from holding a public community meeting, but we haven't written it down at a regional district level and required them to do so. So they're not. And do you know what is happening because uh, on Quadra um, or any of the other kind of small remote communities within the SRD? Um, I've personally experienced far better <laughs> cell phone service now on Quadra when waiting for the ferry. So I'm assuming something has happened there. Do you know what's been going on? 
I don't know enough to really speak to it well. My my understanding was that the cell phone service improvement that happened at Harriet Bay and around the Gorge Marina came from these little microcells that just increase cell phone uh, reception in a very small little zone. And that's something that I asked TELUS about like a decade ago, whether they could do in a few neighborhoods on Cortez uh, to cover some of the population nodes here. And they said it was just cost prohibitive at the time that unless there was a population like Willow Point that that they just wouldn't do it. Um, Now my, and please talk to Oma about this later, uh, but he shared a map that seems to indicate that they, TELUS has already put up five such little mini repeaters um, along the, their lines on the island uh, that are not yet activated. Um, Similarly, the City West uh, Connected Coast Project could put up these little, I think called microcells or mini microcells, I think they call them, which are like like a, a Wi-Fi repeating hub, but for cell phone uh, reception. So it it could be. I, I'm going to digress a little bit here into the connection between connected coast, but it could be. And this is early exploratory days, and I don't want to promise something for Connected Coast when I have no authority to do so. But I have asked them to look into the possibility of putting up. Um, these cell phone booster stations, if you will, along our road networks, because mostly what I'm hearing from people who are really in support of cell phone towers um, are is safety, is emergency preparedness, is um, being able to call 911 from people's homes, from the road, from the beach, uh, late at night, whatever it might be. And so if we can, whoever provider, I don't mind, provide better cell phone service along the roads, um, that might al- alleviate some safety concerns. And also the Connected Coast um, project, it, when you sign, if you sign up for internet through through City West, you'll be able to get internet-based phone calling through something relatively nominal. So that means your actual landline, instead of it's you know it's not a computer phone, instead of your landline being connected into the Telus wire that runs along the telephone poles, it can be connected into the fiber optic cable that's buried under the ground everywhere around the island. So it will be less prone to disruptions from power outages and wind throw and lines down because everything will be buried. Um, and I just, I have no idea whether people are going to embrace this and, and give their landlines over to that or not. Um, you know, I don't know how to predict people's responses there. But if people really embrace that, Um, It might be a relative game changer um, in terms of um, emergency access. So I think really one of the main thrusts for TELUS's bid for cell phone towers all up and down the coast, this isn't just Cortez, um, is is really wanting to continue to to be competitive in the uh, the internet market, in the cell-based internet market. And fair enough. Competition is great. I hope that, you know, where there's good good packages and prices available for for all the providers um but i i just really would because because the towers are such a divisive issue it leads me to think there must be something yet some middle ground something yet we haven't discovered and thought of and so i would just like it to be staged such that it's only going to be another few months get the the fiber optic in the ground see how that changes the landscape. And then let's have a cell phone tower conversation absolutely in a really good way, uh, where we have, where we can hear each other, um, where we know the the proposals across the whole island and can have a good conversation. But that's, you know, that's just not TELUS's 
procedure. So here we are kind of trying to push something a bit. So the public input is closes on this coming Monday on the 31st to the, the tower at, at Pokianum at what sort of is locally known as the maple tree, the end of Rexford Road there. Uh, so if you do want to write letters, pro, con, whatever, uh, and I've certainly heard the gamut from people who think this is just the absolute basic requirement for modern day living to others who literally um, think that they might have to take their lives if it goes up because they're already so compromised with their health. So anyway, the comment period for that is up on the 31st. And as I said, I've asked to uh, present a little bit of a bigger picture and some of the previous comments to Tla'aman. I don't have any sense of what Tla'aman's um, time frame would be in terms of making that decision um, or erecting a tower, but I, it could certainly happen this spring if all parties were willing. And is that the, um, so public input, if people want to figure out how to give public input, yep. uh, what do you, what would you recommend for them? Yeah, well, you write to Brian Gregg, who is a consultant with TELUS. Interestingly enough, TELUS contracts out their public engagement because it's an, a headache, I would imagine. Um, so he writes a summary report of all of the input received and gives that summary report, I'm hoping, along with the letters, but I don't actually know that for sure, but I trust so, to Tla'aman uh, to make a decision about... So you need to write to Brian, but I encourage people to also copy their letters to Tlaaman so they, Tlaaman has them directly. And then on a bunch of the articles, it's also suggested to copy them to the the feds, to Industry Canada. I'm not sure why, to be honest. I don't think they really do anything with them, but I can't hurt. And then there's the Safe Tech group. You're going to be speaking with somebody later. They've, they've welcomed people to copy letters to them so that there is sort of a a community record of input because we don't know what TELUS and the land use planning authorities will necessarily do with that communication. So if you want them kind of out in the, in the public domain, uh, outside of the realm of, you know, FOIable um, uh, privacy considerations, then Safe Tech is collecting them. And so we know that then this is, so th- like what, You've told us a little bit about what the next steps are. The consultation ends um, on January 31st. And then do we know anything more about the next steps on this proposal and and whether this is the beginning or the end or what? Well, I know that the letters that are being received by Tla'aman are indeed... um the, the woman there, I think it's Denise, who I spoke with, who's uh, on staff and receiving those letters, she will be writing up a summary report for um, for that nation's consideration. Um, uh, the letter that I wrote to the executive council there has been received and will be discussed on February 2nd at their meeting. And I've asked to appear as a delegation at their meeting mid-February. Um, so presumably a decision won't be made by then until you know mid-late February at the earliest. But I have, I have no sense of where they're at. Um, speaking with Eric Blaney, who seems to be the, the main contact person at Tlaman for this one, he's their emergency coordinator um, representative. He's, you know, he's very pro-communications for emergency preparedness reasons. Um, so he's, he's been great with me um, and has indicated that they're... Um, yeah, they're in early st- stages of communication with us about the matter. 
And then presumably we'll hear something about the proposal in Whaletown at the regional district soon. And Square Cove, I don't know, is on hold for now, as far as I understand from TELUS. Uh Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Uh, I want, I'm going to put music on and open up the phone lines for a couple of minutes so that you, neighbor, can call in. Right now, I'm going to specifically ask for questions or comments related to uh, the SRD, the, the Strathcona Regional District um, government process, uh, or questions that NOBA might be able to answer around this process because then after this we'll have lots and lots of other um, guests who might be able to answer different aspects of it so um so i i will put on a little bit of music and then you call can call in and you have two choices when you call in one is to just speak off air and ask noba or myself your question and then we will try to uh, answer it on air um, or you can ask to be put on air yourself if you would like to um, do that. But remember, the rules are that you're going to keep it short, short, shorter than you think short, and that you're going to keep your language rated G. Uh, okay, thank you. The number here is 250-935-0200. So that's 935-0200. Someone to tell you everything Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring Maybe then
that was a rough transition for. <laughs> the, um, all right, thank you so much for for that little break and for listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ eighty nine point five FM. We are talking a bunch up today about um, a, a tower for a tele. A, a proposal for a TELUS telecommunication tower on Cortez Island and how much influence uh, local neighbors might have in this proposal. So I had a, a earlier comment sent to you at folku.ca by our neighbor, Rob Chapman. Thank you so much, Rob, for taking the time to write to us. I really appreciate it. And Rob who I believe might have a background in telecommunications, but he doesn't say this. So um, this is just my own experience um, from uh, a letter that uh, he'd written on the tideline, which was really, really informative. So thank you also for that. And he says that provisioning and regulation of telecommunications services in Canada is a federal government responsibility. Over 97% of Canadians have access to standard cell phone services. He asks whether we, the community, that whether people realize that there is no legislative or regulatory avenue in Canada for a government level below the federal level or for a local citizens group to deny access to federally approved cell phone services to a local area within Canada. Um, and I think there is a bit of a question um, embedded in there. Uh, and also, um, uh, you know, a little bit what I hear there is a call out for more understanding on the federal level as to the needs and also maybe concerns of local citizens. And I think as rural people, we often feel quite disenfranchised from the federal level of government. So this would in no way be the first time that we have experienced as neighbors in a rural community something that feels like it's kind of out of our control and no one's really listening to our particular needs or interests. Um, but there's a couple other things brought up there too uh, that I want to ask you about, Noba, because um, uh, this you know, while Rob is highlighting that maybe there is not a lot of influence that local communities can have, I wonder if it's really as simple as saying that there is none. Yeah, that is certainly oversimplistic. Because TELUS needs, as I as I call it, land use concurrence, it needs the agreement of, of the local government. Um, the local government is indeed responsive to the public, whether that be their <clears throat> their nation members or, in the case of the regional district, the you know the residents and property owners in, in a place, and presumably all levels of local government will indeed listen to and take into consideration their um, their members' views. So I think that writing to the regional district when it's appropriate, or Tlaaman or Klahus if it comes to be. Um, assumes a level of professional consideration that all those elected bodies would, would put to these proposals. Um, when I spoke with Brian Gregg a while ago, the consulting company who's doing the public input on the TELUS work, and I asked him before Christmas, really point blank, like, and I, I'm not suggesting that we as a community would want to say this, but I'm just trying to understand the options available to us. And so I said, is it possible for a community just to say, you know what, we don't even want a tower? Because for a lot of people are saying that, and others absolutely want them, but is that even an option? And what I understood in the conversation was, 
was no. The question is about where, not yes or no, and indeed that they had never not been able to locate a tower in the history of BC. I wrote that in an article and got a an email back from Brian Gregg saying that I had misrepresented that conversation or misunderstood, and that indeed um, there were communities where they had been unsuccessful in citing towers. Um, and um, and so I, I, I don't think we are without agency, but it takes a community to uh, be pretty vocal and organized to, to find that agency, I would say. Uh can I follow up on that a little bit? And um, it does sound like between what the regional district is saying and what the uh, and what Rob Chapman's saying um, and maybe what you're saying is that it that if we had policies in place, we would be in a better position. And the we being in this case, you know, every level of local government. So um, when First Nations have policies in place, they're in a better position. Sure, sure, because you put thought into ahead of time. Um, But the policy would not be prohibitive. It would say, hey, if you're going to put one up, don't put it too close to X, Y, and Z. And paint it pink and I don't know I haven't read such policies Um, but it would also speak to public process and I think that's what is really missing here Um, and is hard in these days even those of us who want to do really good public process it's a really weird time Um, but I'm not seeing uh, a and sort of an effort on behalf of TELUS here to do more than they need to and so that's why you know blessings to this radio show and efforts of organized citizens to, to try to be, bring about a bit more of a community dialogue so we can hear each other. Yeah. And perhaps those won't have um, the weight of, of government, but I like to believe that they do matter. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> um, do you have any final words that you want to share uh, with with listeners before before? I would just say, please, at every level, keep your communications respectful, not just on air here, but I've heard from TELUS that some of the communications to them have been, you know, bordering on threatening. And I've heard from Tla'aman that some of the communications to them have been pretty darn disrespectful about their Aboriginal land use authority. Um, so just, it doesn't, it doesn't help, right? So just keep it uh, positive and creative and respectful uh, in all of our communications because we just don't need to tear each other down. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. We'll do a a short, short um, musical interlude while we bring on our next guest, who will be from the Safe Tech group um, on Cortez. So this is also a good time if you have questions or comments related to uh, telecommunications tower safety, uh, you can call in now, 250-935-0200. And remember, we're doing extra special careful job today of um, of letting us know whether you'd like to go on air or just to ask your question and have it answered on air. Um, and if you do go on air, you're going to keep it kind and you're going to keep it short, short, short. Thank you so much, listeners. Uh, for Here we'll have a little bit of music and you can call in.
Welcome back. You are listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM or on the web at CortezRadio.ca. We are really lucky to have yet another neighbor joining us um, on today's show. And so I'm, this neighbor is going to introduce herself, herself but because uh, I don't know if I can pronounce her last name, but her first name is Yulia. And she is part of a, a citizen group that has formed, I believe, in, partially in response to this latest proposal um, from TELUS around the telecommunications towers. But um, I believe is one of their mandates, what they are trying to actually do is help come up with um, guidelines around how the community wants to be engaged and consulted for future telecommunications uh, issues, related issues. Um, and we've just heard that that may or may not have power influence, but um, I think it's always nice when a small committed group of citizens come together with any sort of proactive aspect. So welcome, Yulia. Thank you so much for being willing to come here and to talk about this issue and what you know about it. And can you tell us how to pronounce your last name? <laughs> Thank you, Manda. My last name is Kochubievsky. 
but I'm used for it not being well pronounced, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always good for a joke. Yeah, well, I have a complicated last name, so I do like to try to get other people's right, so I'm sorry I didn't today. Uh, that's all right. Um, I thought you might begin by talking a little bit about what you know around the extent of the community response on on this uh on this proposal by TELUS um, for a new telecommunications tower, um, you know what? 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 You know what level of community response has there been, and and what? How would you generally categorize it? All right. So um, I can perhaps start saying that I got involved uh, for two reasons. Um, one is because I have friends who live on this. Um, on this road, and particularly uh, in the closest uh, house to um, the tower, the proposed tower, which is only 80 meters. So um, the tower is proposed to come right in front of a person's home. They will see it from the kitchen. They will see it from the front yard. And um, that is not even without talking about the concerns of um, health and uh, health concerns, which are very, very much um, more uh, severe closer to the tower and 80 meters very close. So this is sort of how I started getting involved and uh, we were reaching out to the community and asking for people to write emails and to share them with us. So at this point we have over 80 emails shared by the community and those are only the ones that we have received. We do know that there were other uh, emails that were sent directly to TELUS or to Brian Gregg, the consultant, like Noba mentioned, uh, as well as the Tlamin. So we have at least uh, 80 of them. I read a large amount of them. I read probably most of them. And I think people write with different different views and, and different reasons for um, why they don't want the tower. Uh, primarily those were the responses, but there were two things that were um, shared by most people, and that's sort of what got me. So number one is um, every letter that I've seen were saying that this is not an appropriate place, because I think all of us can relate to, imagine what we would feel if all of a sudden the forest in front of our house would be taken down and instead of it, a tower will be built right in front of our kitchen and we will have to live under the threat of unknown damage. So whether people believe it is harmful or whether people believe that it is not harmful when it is your home and you need to wake up to the thought of thinking, hmm, I read a lot of research saying that cancer rates are much higher close to a tower. Can you live with that? So um, I have not read a single letter that was not supportive of the residents so close to the tower. So basically, all of the letters that I read were against the the particular sighting of this tower. And then the other thing that I've seen in um, repeated in almost every email was that there is not enough community consultation. And everybody are writing in and asking, we want to be to have a public community consultation. And actually fairly early on, as I was, re- was reading the, the emails, I'm saying everybody's asking for a community consultation. And what we are receiving as a reply is that this is a community consultation, but it still invalidates our feelings. And it is very clear, just like Noba said very 
eloquently. Uh, TELUS will not do it because they're not required. I will say it, TELUS will not do it because it doesn't serve, the, serve their interests. Whatever their interests are, are not necessarily the interests of the community. So um, we created safe, safe, te safe Tech for two reasons. One is for this proposal, but also with the understanding that this proposal is just one of whatever they will be. So there were already two, two proposals. Um, they came back six months later, ignoring completely um, our um, feedback and Nobel's statement that uh, requesting that there will be no proposal until after the tower. And and we keep hearing, and you can read it in, in various, uh, we can hear it on, read it on a tideline and some articles in Canberra River Mirror that um, I lost my thread. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, you were talking about um, the the feedback that has come back um, from them about uh, the tower. Hmm. That's okay. We can start a new thread. Let's let's start a new thread. That's probably come back. Ah, no, I was talking about the towers. That there are def definitely definitely several proposals and. Whether we are able or not able to say no to this particular proposal, it is clear there will be more because they want to put towers here as we as we have heard. So um, I guess for me there are two issues here. There is the issue of this particular tower, which I think as a community we are already coming together and saying this is not okay to put a tower right on people's home. Whether people want to have cell tower and better cell reception or whether people don't want anything to do with tower there are a lot of people coming together and saying no to this tower not to tower so close to home and we actually I didn't mention it we also made made a petition um, that making exactly those two points the point that is not to this tower because it's so close to homes um, and also that we want a public community consultation for anything else, and we have um, at least 100 signatures on the petition. So between those two, I think it's safe to say that we have between 15 and 20% of the island already wrote against this particular proposal and asking for a community consultation. So it sounds like one um, of the underlying themes that I've heard from you, that I've heard from uh, NOBA, uh, and that has come up in the vast majority, it seems like, both of the letters from the first proposal as well as from this second proposal, is this idea of community consultation. Um, one of the things that I had read, and this may be something that Anastasia can talk to about later, um, suggested that community consultation, um, that is what it seems like Brian Gregg's job, um, who's the consultant with TELUS, um, it seems like that's what he's been hired to do. And what it sounds like is that they, they're, because we have no, uh, and we being the regional district and or um, the CLAM and the land use body, have no policies around what community uh, public consultation must look like from the land use authority, then we resort to the federal guidelines around that, which seem to be very, very broad. Um, and so TELUS seems to be quite um, 
familiar with this and is has said this is our telecommute like this is our community consultation um when we get a letter we respond we've done community consultation so um what it sounds to me is that these letters are then saying no not just we want community consultation like this is unacceptable community consultation do we have an understanding or does your group lay out what acceptable community consultation looks like well i think that this is really the point so right now uh, we are focusing on a se- on closing this particular feedback for this proposal which which closes on the 31st which is monday but with the understanding that um, there will be more tower coming this is really what we wish to create because all of us are coming and standing from the uh, SRD and the director and so many of Cortez res- residents say- saying this is not a community consultation this is not a community consultation we want you to make a community consultation we're not going to get it so we need to make it ourselves so we have various ideas of how to go about it um, they're all a little bit too premature to discuss, um, but come February, we're going to start um, bringing it up. And I think the most important thing really for a start, um, I don't know what, the, what are the rules and I don't know how much we are able to affect, but let's come together and figure out what we want. How many people actually want towers? How many people don't want towers? And I think even more importantly, because I'm, I, I imagine that there are a lot of people that do want better reception. What do we find acceptable and what do we find unacceptable? So for example, um, when we were looking at the regulation, we found that there is um, a local regulation in Langley, BC, which is the lower mainland in Vancouver, not all that far. Um, and that requires telecommunication companies to notify all the residents within 500 meters of the towers, of proposed towers, and get at least 80% approval from the neighbors. Well, that seems reasonable, you know? So I think that there are several things that we need to consider as a community. There's how close uh, or how far do they need to be from residents. It seems rather basic. And then there is another thing. There are a lot of questions raised about the the harm for the environments, for plants, for uh, animals, for a living being in general. Do we want a tower be, to be put right in the middle of very, very sensitive uh, nature environment? Or do we want to make some kind of um, regulation about uh, what distance from an environment? Maybe they can use an environment that's already been clear-cut and, and put a tower there so we don't um, damage very sensitive environments. Um, and I think those are the questions that need to be really answered in the community level. I'm not answering them to anybody, but what we would like to do as a group is to bring it to the community so we can ask the questions and come up with answers. And with that, instead of going to tell us and say we need a community cons- consultation, we can come and say we did a community consultation and this is what we come up with. And so we have a lot more power. Mm, I... I, I like the idea of the community putting the responsibility but also the um the shape of how they want to be consulted back into the hands of the community and so i'm hoping that you can start parsing out this question so uh, now you know it's a telecommunication tower and not just a cell tower we've heard from 
uh, from Noba, and also that's, I believe, the way that TELUS has spoken about it, because there is both a, a cell tower proposal aspect of it, which is larger than what they currently um, have on the island, but then there's also um, this 5G, 6G component that they are not only plan to have enabled on this tower, I believe, from my understanding of the proposal, but that they're saying that they will have then sole authorization to allow um, any other company who 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 they want to then lease space on the tower to to um, broadcast their own 5G, 6G uh, wireless from. So my understanding is that we don't even have a full uh, proposal as to the extent of the um, safety profile of the tower that's at play. So it seems like there's these two separate things, 5G, 6G, and cell phone tower. Um, but I don't, like, are those two separate things? Do you, is there a policy around um, that the safe tech has come up with, or are they just sort of hoping that there will be time to take on research around both of them? I think the bottom line is that there is a proposal whether, there is a proposal about a tower, okay? And we have an opportunity to have to give feedback as a community whether this this placement of the tower is appropriate or not because they're asking us. So presumably if they're asking us, there is some r level of listening, I imagine. Otherwise, why asking? Um, what is clear, however, is that once this tower is built, um, they can uh, add at least 25 uh, to the height of the tower without asking anybody. They can collocate um, transmitters from other uh, companies on that tower without asking anybody. They can put 5G, 5G, 6G on the tower without asking anybody. In essence, it seems like the place where we have some sort of a say is whether the sighting of a proposed tower is acceptable for for us or not because there is some form of a um, feedback happening, but once it is in place, I don't think we have a say. And then if we don't like it, if all of a sudden it comes out that there is damage to health or environment or research come out, then we're going to have to fight something that is already existing. So, yeah. So uh, you're listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. I'm going to, in just a moment, give you, neighbor, a chance to call in and share your knowledge, uh, experience, questions, et cetera, around, particularly around um, your citizen aspect of this, your desire for it, your the need that you may have for... Um, better safety oh someone's already calling so if you're listening call back in just one minute um, um, but I wanted to uh, first ask you Yulia um, what are you hoping that people will do if they have concerns um, that they want to be heard um, we've heard this January 31st deadline so if people want to write letters or have their concerns or their um, encouragements heard uh, what do they do and where do they do that to well, by all, by all means, you need to send uh, emails. And there is on the Tideline several places. If you go on the Tideline and just look, tell us. There are several articles that people posted that will have the email for Brian Gregg, the consultant, for the Tla'amin, for the ISCD, and for Safe Tech. 
the reason we ask to have records is because, just like Noba said, she knows of 60. We don't know how many were sent last time. We know of 80, but we don't know how many were sent. So if we don't receive it, it sort of disappears. So, um, so yeah, so please write by the 31st. Give your opinion. The more um, feedback we have the community, uh, the better it is. And does the Safe Tech Group have an email address if people have more questions and or, you know, need them to give them these numbers or letters uh, again? The website, the, sorry, not the website, the um, email is safetech.cortez at protonmail.com. We're going to have a musical interlude, and if you would like to call in, you may do so at 250-935-0200. Once again... I'll give you the option to go on the radio and or just ask your question to Yulia or I and then be answered on the radio. But the rules for going on the radio today are that you're going to be short, short, short with your comments and that you're going to be as kind as possible and use rated G language. Okay, thank you so much.
listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM, and we have a caller. Can you hear me? Yes, hello. All right. Thank you so much. Um, will you introduce yourself? And Yes, I'm Ron Bazaar. I've been living on the island for since 1998. I moved here to get away from the hustle and bustle for some peace and quiet. So I just have a quick uh, take on the health impacts of wireless communications and, and, and cell towers. I got introduced to this because a very dear friend of mine uh, who had, was an early adopter was on his cell phone a lot for work purposes over the years. And then I remember in 2006 he started complaining that uh, whenever he was around Wi-Fi he'd start getting headaches and so on. By 2008 he was really experiencing a lot of pain in Wi-Fi or cellular use, and in the end of 2008, he died of a brain aneurysm. So I started doing some research into what really are the health impacts of this wonderful device and uh, and the towers and so on. And obviously, governments are biased because don't forget, governments sell bandwidth. When they open up a piece of the uh, spectrum, they auction it off. They make billions of dollars. So the regulatory agencies of the government have a bias just like industry has a bias. So the only studies to me that make sense are from independent, truly independent places. And there's a lot of research about the damages that can happen to people. Now, different people have different sensitivities. So could, is it like a canary in a coal mine, people who suffer early on from this or are very sensitive or hypersensitive? Um, or other people are going to be waiting 10, 20, 30 years for the impact to happen. We don't know. But Lloyds of London, for instance, will not insure for health damage coverage caused by electromagnetic radiation. Now, that's a huge thing. And then if you read the fine print of your manual on your cell phone, it says do not hold it against your head. So there's known causes of potential damage already out there. And to cite a tower so close to someone, 80 meters, there was a huge study done in Germany that they say that you have to be at least, what was the percentage? Hang on. The percentage increase was um, a 300% increase in the cancer for people living within 1,300 feet. That's about 400 meters. This is a whole town. There's a lot of study about that one. So to me, to put something so close to someone's home um, is ridiculous. A, a tiny experiment that was done some some teens in Denmark, they had two dishes of, of, um, of seeds from, I think, watercress seeds that they sprouted. One was put beside a Wi-Fi router and the other a great distance away. And over 10 days, they watched what happened. And you can see the pictures. It went worldwide, the results of this, actually. It was quite interesting that the seeds uh, away from the router sprouted about two or three inches tall, looked healthy and green and all that. And the seeds beside the router, no sprouting. They all looked dead. I mean, it was just a brown gob, basically. So that got my attention, to think that there's no health impacts from a trillion-fold or more increase in electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation that we're exposed to, and it's the pulsed radiation that is the biggest danger that happens. And, and the, the study that the government uses to, quote, prove they're safe is so outdated, and it 
basically measures the thermal effect. It doesn't talk about what's happening to the mitochondria of the cell surface and how there's so much information about the damage. So anybody who thinks, yeah, I want cell tower, ask yourself, would you put it within 80 meters of your house and be happy? I doubt it. You'd be crazy to do that. And the other thing, this is just my personal opinion, um, being on the island, peace and quiet means a lot to me, and being able to go places. And I know when you're at the beach and someone and someone's in the cities and you're, on, you're walking by, people talk loud on their phones in public. They're clueless about the impact it has to other people. Imagine sitting down at the beach and someone's yakking away on his phone. I don't like that. And the effect on the wildlife, where have all the bees and the insects gone? I remember as a kid driving my car when I first got my license at 16 and went out of town and came back. The car was splattered with insects on the windshield. Now you barely have any. Something is going on out there. The small birds, insects, there's many studies showing how harmful they are. I think we want to go into this with our eyes wide open. That's my rant. Ron, thank you, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your um, citizen research. Uh, I think it's hugely important and, um, and much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for the, uh, the, the work you're doing to, to enlighten people on the potential risks and benefits here. Well, Take care. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, Thank you so much. Um, and again, we invite you to as well call in. Um, there's going to be different times in the show where I open up the phone to invite you to do that. Uh, so, Yulia, um, Ron brought up um, a, a lot of detail around some of the safety um, aspects. And I know that that's not necessarily your expertise, but um, I'm wondering if you know anything about how the Canadian uh, safety um, regulations compare to to Europe or the rest of the world, where maybe they're looking at more than just the sort of older um, stuff around the thermal aspects, but are also looking at the actual EMF radiation and its safety profile. Well, I'm definitely not a specialist, but I do know that the uh, Canadian regulation considered to be extremely, extremely weak. And the regulation of, of Switzerland, Russia, and China are permitting 100 less, 100 times less radiation than the Canadian regulation allows. I also seen somewhere that uh, Toronto also allow, allowing far less radiation than the general Canadian regulation allows. And the regulation has not been changed for a very long time. And the technology has. So expect and um, just accept blindly the regulation that has not been up to date and that is considered to be so weak by comparison to other countries. Um, yeah, I think it's questionable. And again, I know that this is not your not your expertise, but is it, do we have yet? Do you know... Um, regulations around 5g or 6g at all because i believe the regulations now are all were i mean in canada they're quite old so they certainly may cover cell phone towers and early um uh, internet wi-fi type things but do they even begin to talk about 5g and 6g not that i'm aware of and there are some very concerning research um well 
It's been wonderful having you. Oh, the phone is ringing off the hook again. I'm wondering if you have any um, additional things you'd like to say before you leave us here today. And whoever's calling, just so you know, I will put on some music and give you opportunity to call back in just a few moments. I invite everybody to stay tuned. We would like to bring up to the community um, the questions of um, how we want to do it. And we're still definitely working out the details and hopefully in February we'll have something to share. And um, yeah, we want everybody's feedback on that. Thank you so much for your time um, and your your belief in, in and finding solutions that can make sure that all neighbors are are taken care of and that their their needs are met. Um, I really appreciate that. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you. Uh, again, you are listening to Folk U Radio, where we are talking about TELUS telecommunication tower proposal today and I want to hear from you next up we are going to have Ohm come on and talk to us a little bit about all these terms what do they mean um, <laughs> and what are they so we and we will have more time to hear from you neighbor as well so um, do also prepare to call in if you want to but next up hopefully we'll be hearing from Ohm if all goes well <laughs> in my heart feels like there's so much to do before it's my time to depart an angel on my left and a devil on my right at times i miss romantic montreal and drinking wine and staying
Hello, neighbor. You are listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM. We are really lucky now to have Om Beach. Uh, I think this, we, we, we can call you Om, um, or what I think I referred to you earlier as Island Boy, uh, much beloved Twincom um, former employee uh, and I have called you up because I know that a lot of people rely on you as their sort of tech expert or at least as someone who's willing to engage in trying to define terms that can seem a little nebulous to many of us. Oh, you're very kind. Um, yeah, absolutely. Happy, happy to help in any way I can. Um, I'm not sure I'll be able to answer all your questions, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I thought maybe we could first um, have you start by uh, explaining what your understanding is of what is this tower and how does it differ from just a cell tower per se? Um, it, the, the, new, the new proposed TELUS tower? So, I mean, as far as I understand, it, it is just a cell tower. Um, there's, I don't think there's really anything unique about it other than most cell towers. Um, it probably is going to be slightly higher power level than um, what you might find in the city. Most rural t- cell towers are generally higher power just because they're trying to cover a large area. Um, but they're, yeah, other than that, they're basically the same thing. And what does it mean that it is equipped with 5G, 6G? Um, what is 5G, 6G? And in this case, what does a tower that have that has that mean? So do you know for sure that it that, that, was that something that they actually said it was going to be equipped with? Or Yes. Um, okay, because I wasn't aware of that. I know that, um, I mean, 5G technology is sort of the, the latest generation of cell phone technology. It's essentially just a buzzword. Um, it You know, before we had 3G and then 4G, which people generally call LTE. Um, for some reason, they decided to switch the name. But um, now they call it, you know, the latest one, 5G. And um, it's really just a, a sort of a generation of technology. It doesn't really have any one specific um, frequency or piece of hardware or anything like that that they're using. It's just a whole suite of, of technologies that they're using that brings faster speeds, essentially. Um, <clears throat> but the reason you hear so much hype about 5G is a number of the frequencies that they are using are much higher frequency than the typical cell phone frequencies that have been used in 3 and 4G. And, um, it, you know, they're called millimeter wave or, um, you know, 60 gigahertz. You've probably heard of these numbers or these names before. Yes. Um, but um, there is some concern that, you know, it's possible that they cause more harm to the human body than the other lower frequencies. Um, I personally haven't seen enough evidence to, to say one way or the other. Um, but, you know, there is that concern. So I think that's that's what most people think of when they think of 5G, but there are a lot of 5G um, technologies that use the existing cell phone frequencies and don't have any difference in terms of the frequency. And then we've heard a lot from uh, individuals and community members today around the the sighting of this tower. It sounds like the one thing that if if there's any one thing (laughs) people agree on and you know let's be careful in any one community that you're never gonna get 100 percent. but if there's one thing that people seem to agree on it's that um the sighting is something that at least there should be 
public input upon. And so I'm wondering, with your knowledge, do we know at what point is there for sure a safe distance? Like how far away from a, a, a telecommunications tower do we know that, okay, great, the the ecological and human risks at this point are no longer of concern and it's been proven by all sorts of studies? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a very, very, very difficult question to answer. <laughs> so, uh First off, I'd like to, to just kind of touch on, <clears throat> you were talking with uh, Yulia a little bit about, you know, um, community consultation, that kind of thing. And, and this is just totally my opinion, but it's it's something that is, is interesting to think about because, I mean, uh, you know, as a community, of course, you want to have input into what's coming into your community. But at the same time, the more input the public has, the less, um, the less freedom and ability to move forward quickly a you know, internet provider or a cell phone provider has, right? So, for example, if you took, you know, your local internet provider, Twincom, if they had to get approval for every, you know, repeater station to put up um, or, you know, dish or anything like that, essentially Twincom wouldn't exist and you'd have no high-speed internet on Cortez. It just would never go anywhere. So, there, you know, it's, it's a fine line between public consultation between everything big and everything small, but at what point does it become something significant enough that, to get the community involved, right? I don't have the answer to these questions, but it's just something to think about. Um, as for what is safe in terms of a cell tower, it's very hard to answer this question because every cell tower is different in terms of its power level. It's different in terms of its um, antenna design. So antennas can be designed to either throw the signal further in a single direction or spread the signal out more omnidirectionally. So, um, when you focus a signal and shine it you know, in, in one specific direction, it, it shines less in other directions, um, but it's also higher power in that one direction, right? So it all depends on where you are in relation to that tower and all these kinds of things. Um, and what is a safe standard? I don't really know if anyone agrees on, because even if you look at different countries, they all have different regulate, regulatory standards as to what is an acceptable maximum level of power, right? So... I, I did, we just don't know is the answer, unfortunately. Um, and then do we, I mean, I'm going to assume that you're going to say that we don't know on the other side, which is, is there a, any level of agreement on what is not a safe standard? Um, as far as, like, you know, I think the closest house in this case is 80 meters, which seems very close. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it does seem close to me. I mean, I mean, Personally, for my own self, I probably wouldn't want a cell tower that close, partially just because it's an ugly tower next to my house. But, um, yeah, um, it's hard to say. I mean, I really don't know. But I do, one interesting thing to consider is if you're an actual cell phone user and you're using a cell phone, being closer to the tower is actually better for the user because when you make a cell phone call, your cell phone is transmitting a, you know, a radio signal and to that tower and it's having to vary its power level based on how far away that tower is so if that tower is really far away and maybe behind a bunch of trees and things your cell phone is having to ramp up its power to its maximum power level and so you're actually getting radiated way more from your cell phone than you ever would be from the tower even if you were probably 80 meters from that tower i can't say for sure but i would i would 
bet that even at 80 meters, if you're holding a cell phone to your head, you're probably getting more power from that cell phone than you are from the tower. So now it's not entirely fair to say that you should, you know, uh, it matters more about the cell phone because you're only using the cell phone for a short period of time generally, um, whereas the tower is on 24-7. So it's just something to consider. But if you're, you know, a constant cell phone user, and you, you generally don't want to be, you know, with one bar of service out in the middle of the forest using it right next to your head the whole time. You're better off being, you know, in the city where there's more towers around you. So, and yeah. uh, Nova mentioned that uh, recently um, many of us have experienced improved cell phone access access in these sort of key locations where many people have noticed it didn't exist before, such as right. at Harriet Bay, waiting for the ferry on Quadra to come over to Cortez or in the Gorge Marina on Cortez, and that these were due to um, not new towers, but actually some other technology, which maybe was called micro cell. Um, yep. uh, can you explain what this is? And is that only work with cell towers? Yeah, so uh, a microcell is just a fancy word for basically a small cell tower. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, it's just a smaller, lower power um, cell phone, you know, radio. So um, instead of having a whole tower that, you know, sits 200 feet high in the sky and has tons and tons of antennas shooting out in every direction, a microcell might literally just be a small radio antenna mounted to a telephone pole and it only covers maybe 500 feet of, of area, and that's it. Um, but it's targeting a really hot spot where a lot of people spend, for example, sitting in the line up at the ferry. So they might have an antenna just serving that one little road that goes in front of the ferry, and that's it. So it's much lower power generally, these microcells, um, but they're much more targeted at a very small area. So, uh, okay, thank you. That's a that's a great definition. So, is it my understanding that um, lower powered all, um, means that it will have less effect, both um, measurable uh, physical effect as well as usable um, receiving cell phone <laughs> connection effect? Um, yeah. So, lower power, lower impact, higher power, higher impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, you know, it's a trade-off because you could have, you know, thousands of these things all over the island and different islands and stuff, microcells everywhere on every telephone pole. And that would probably do the same coverage as maybe, you know, a half a dozen large towers, um, you know. So it's just, it's just one half dozen the other. It's not necessarily one is better than the other. One's just using um, lower power closer to you towers versus higher power further away. So can you, now switching gears a little bit, can you talk to us a little bit about City West and what fiber optics are? Yeah, so, um, and again, I'm probably not the perfect person to answer this, because Dino's the main guy who's dealing with all the City West stuff. But, um, yeah, City West um, is an internet provider that's wanting to provide fiber optics to Cortez Island. And um, fiber optics is essentially just um, kind of like, you, you could equate it to like a landline. Um, for, for, for phone service, right? Except for it's actually just a piece of glass that you're shooting a laser down. Um, and the laser stays contained within the glass fiber and um, shoots down the, the, the wire, essentially, and comes out the other end as a signal. 
and you have a modem on the other end that picks up that signal, and it gets converted back to um, you know Wi-Fi in your home. And is can uh, so Wi-Fi um, equates to uh, like the, your computer, your internet, etc. Can there also be any form of cell phone use or connect uh, connectivity through um, fiber optics? Yeah, so I mean, fiber optics is is a is a delivery method to get it to a given location. But um, you know, the problem with cell phone service is you want to be able to walk around with it. So you can't really do that without um, wireless. Um, you know, fiber optics is, always needs a cable connected to it, so you, you can't really do that. And then um, the you can't really you know use Wi-Fi for cell phone service just because Wi-Fi is very low power compared to a uh, cell phone signal, and it's also using um, unlicensed frequencies, and so there's not enough unlicensed frequencies to um, cover a large enough area with enough users um, to get an effective um, use out of it. So, um, yeah, you can't really get around it. If you want proper cell phone reception, you got to have cell towers. And what about for emergency response? Is there a way to integrate... Uh the access to 911 through um, fiber optics? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can have points of, of, of access to 911. You can absolutely have, um, you know, phone service through a, a fiber optic connection. Um, for example, City West might choose to um, also have a, you know, a phone service when you sign up for their internet connection, which they could just have a little converter box which had, um, you know, a landline phone plug into it. Uh, and it would act just like a landline phone, only it's being provided connection through the, the fiber optics. Um, but again, it doesn't get you mobile uh, connection. So if you're, you know, break down on the side of the road, you're still going to have to walk to someone's house to get a 911 call out. Uh, great. Thank you. Okay. One more question around terms that people have been talking about recently. What is Starlink and how does that um you know, affect Cortez or change the game here? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think a lot of people are quite confused by Starlink. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty incredible uh, technology. It's essentially um, thousands of satellites that are sitting fairly close to the Earth compared to other satellites. Um, typical, you know, satellite TV satellites are at about 28,000 miles away from the Earth, um, and they're in geosynchronous orbit, meaning they don't move in relation to the Earth. Oh, well, sorry, they rotate with the Earth like once per day. So um, they don't they don't move in relation to if you look up in the sky, right? They all sit in the same spot. Whereas um, Starlink satellites, they're much closer to the Earth. They're only about uh, 500 kilometers above the Earth's surface. And so they're they're whizzing by very quickly. And so they have to have, you know, thousands of them to cover the entire globe, which they probably will eventually. They I think they have maybe only a couple thousand at this point, but they're aiming to have somewhere of 40 to 50,000 once the, this constellation is complete. And um, that would allow for continuous, complete communication pretty much anywhere in the world um, with a small dish that would aim towards the sky, and it would continuously connect to one of these satellites as they're whizzing by, and it would switch between satellites as a new one comes into view. So what this all means is essentially... Um, super high-speed internet in very remote locations um, without the need for, you know, any um, terrestrial um, infrastructure. 
so you don't need you know cell towers or fiber optics or anything on the actual ground to get that internet connection and would that Down, also sorry, be does that also include um cell phone access um no no i mean in theory, it might be possible. Basically, the the signal that's coming from those satellites is probably too weak for a standard cell phone to pick up. Um, <clears throat> so you'd need still a larger dish to actually pick up that signal. And they're using pretty fancy technology inside those dishes, so it would be it, it'd probably be pretty hard to transfer it to something the size of a cell phone. But um, having remote mobile connection might be possible where you have, say, an RV and you mount this dish to your you know, your RV and then you have like a, a Wi-Fi signal coming out of your RV. So wherever you go, you've got, you know, an internet connection, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that will become a thing with Starlink, but um, it won't be complete mobility like a, a cell phone connection. This has been very uh, illuminating. Thank you so much, uh, Om, for taking the time to share your knowledge with uh, with your um, community of origins. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I greatly appreciate it. So thank you, uh, and I hope we'll hear from you again sometime. Yeah, I hope I hope I answered all your questions. Uh, you did a great job. Great, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. you uh, good luck with all your uh, your research there. You guys are doing a great job making your decisions. Thank you. Appreciate Take it. Care. And thank you, neighbor, for tuning in and listening today. We have one more guest lined up. Um, Anastasia is going to come and talk to us about some of the articles and journalism that she's done related to this issue. You will have at least one more time to call in. Uh, and ask your questions, you may do so at 250-935-0200. And I'm going to play a little bit of music while we get our next guest here. Thank you so much.
Hello, neighbor. You are listening to Folk U Radio here on CKTZ 89.5 FM. And we are in the final stretches of a special show we're doing on a proposal before the Cortez Island community and neighbors around a TELUS telecommunication tower that's gone up. So we've I've done my best to try to bring in all sorts of different people to explain different aspects. And we have one more special guest here today. Um, And uh, Anastasia, on top of everything else, you were one of the last names that I was afraid to tackle. So um, I want to say that the reason I've invited you is because you've done some really fantastic journalism on this issue. And so I appreciate your um, ability to be here, both as a neighbor who as part of a community who has this before them, but also as someone who's um, done great research and, and interviews. And I also want to acknowledge on today's show that there are two really important players that are not here. Um, so one of those is TELUS, uh, who um, has not been um, super available for uh, media. Um, live radio in particular. Um, I have asked them a couple times uh, through Brian Gregg. And the I think the most important person, clearly, who's not here is the Kalam and Nation, uh, who I also reached out to through the really fantastic to work with in my experience, Eric Blaney, but with very short notice, um, they were not able to be here uh, today either. So I just want to recognize that these are two really important voices that aren't here um, and that uh, that you have spoken to both of these voices. So, um, you know, not this does I don't want this to be a game of telephone, but I also think it's really important that you have done that extra bit of journalism um, to really talk to all the players. And so I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. And appreciate you being willing to come here and talk mm-hmm. to a little bit about what you found out to to the Folk U radio listeners. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can we start by you introducing yourself and saying your last name the correct way? <laughs> yes. So it's Anastasia Avakamova. And yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to have this role as a news reporter because I get to talk to people that I maybe wouldn't otherwise. And especially in this context, um, there's a little bit more opportunity to hear from some of these players, as you mentioned, um, because I am able to get some public statements from Talis, although it takes a little bit of work usually, and it's always just over email, um, but they have given me a few things that I've published. And I also wanna say that um, for anyone curious on the kind of backstory to what I've been able to do so far. There's three pieces on CortezRadio.ca and um, it's in the news section. If you click on my name, that's probably the fastest way to get to all three of them if you just scroll. So I would say what I found out is that, as we've heard today as well, that it's a fairly complex issue because there are so many different opinions. You know, there's the, the corporate interests, there's the people who really want self-servers, there's people who moved here who want to be away from it all and everything in between, you know? And um, I would say that where I really personally got interested in this as a reporter is when um, I saw that the first notice about this latest self-proposal tower went into Quadra's The Bird's Eye publication, which um, is just a strange, it's a perplexing move to me from Talos. I think if they were trying to build trust, 
um, for the residents of the island to bring this technology here. Um, it just seemed like a strange move to publish it um, on an island that's 40 minutes away by ferry. And many, I would hazard to say, maybe most people here don't necessarily read the bird's eye. Some people don't even know it existed prior to this. So um, whether that's due to a lack of due diligence to know where they could publish it, like they eventually did in the Cortez Marketer, but that came weeks after it came out on Quadra. Um, so the other piece I think is interesting is that um, it states specifically in their statement that this public consultation they're conducting is open for comment to any member of the public. And so what that really means to me is like people from across the province, people from across Canada could be writing in. And I've actually, I saw um, another article published in the Campbell River Mirror where um, Eric Blaney, uh, we just mentioned him, said that they had been getting letters from people from across the province. And I'm sure there's value to that to some degree, but I would think that the residents' voices who have to live with this technology here, for better or worse, should probably count for more than someone <clears throat> elsewhere. Yeah. Um, did uh, did Telus ever make a statement as to why they didn't reach out to the official news media publications on Cortez? from what I understand, at all. So I know that previously Roy Hales from Cortez Currents had interviewed with the first proposal, Brian Gregg, and had, and had done previous reporting on this. Now you've done reporting on this. We have, uh, you know, CKTZ um, news programs, as well as uh, Tideline and um, The Marketeer. So did they ever make a statement as to why there was no attempt made to communicate to the local community? Well, I I send you my questions and I don't always get all of them answered. So what I originally asked, um, and I did send it to Brian Gregg because he was the contact on, in, the, um, in the ad that was published. Um, I asked, was there a plan to publish this on Cortez itself where the tower would be cited? And he, um, under his current contract with Talos is not authorized to speak to the media. He can't voice um, their public statement <laughs> on the behalf of the corporation. So he passed me on to a media relations staff and um, it took about 12 days for her to get back to me with an official statement. This is in December and in, in that interim is when they published things in the Cortez Marketer. So whether that was because that was one of my suggestions, I'm not sure. And does, I mean, I'm assuming they have some sort of regulation that requires them to post things uh, in their local community. Is that true? Do you know what the regulations are around that? I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on the regulations. I know I've heard that they have to notify um, anybody living within uh, the vicinity of three times the height of the tower that's proposed. Um, and so what I've been told is that only two people living on that road were notified as they were required to do. Um, and they, they do need to conduct a public consultation, which is why the ad went up. But 
yeah it's a bit like it just um it's a question mark right it's like why wouldn't you tell the people who it's going to affect the most it i think it raises questions as to whether they were actually trying to avoid more engagement <laughs> i mean which one could understand <laughs> from the perspective of a corporation um so it, what has your um like do you have an official statement that has come from the clam and about uh how they're hoping the community uh, consultation process will go and the ways that they would like to hear from from neighbors who are affected uh, or anything along those lines? The Tlalaman do not have their own process for this, which is why Chalice is defaulting to the federal process. And um, that wasn't one of my specific questions when I spoke with Eric Blaney, who is the Tlalaman executive counselor in charge of land resources. Um, but he was very happy to talk about the reason that they're considering this tower. And um, you can hear that interview in the first piece that I did. But I'll just summarize by saying that he said he's the fire chief and first responder and has been in that industry for 20, more than 20 years. And so it all comes down to him, uh, for him to safety for the public as well as safety for the Laman Nation people who, as Nova said earlier, um, want to use the land here culturally, but also maybe eventually as residents. And he mentioned an, an incident where somebody was stuck out on a spit, their boat malfunctioned, they couldn't call the Coast Guard. So um, that's their that's their perspective that I can speak to. And they were approached by TELUS. Um, they did not approach TELUS themselves, but he said that they've been looking at similar towers that have gone up on other First Nations land, and there's some that have gone up in Lund next to their land there. So, um, yeah, that's what I can say about that. And have you spoken to uh, any of the first responders on Cortez? Um, this, uh, the, the existing uh, TELUS tower uh, that's already in Manson's is not far from where our fire hall and, um, and paramedics are, are located out of, ambulance service are located out of. And many of us experience that we have some of the best cell phone coverage anywhere on Cortez in the Manson's village area. So I'm wondering from the perspective of of our safety first responders, whether or not they're seeing this uh, cell phone tower or this telecommunications tower to be providing a significant benefit in that regard here. Mm -hmm. Well, I spoke to somebody who works as a volunteer firefighter, but, um, and again, you can hear that in the story that I published, but um, she was clear that she wanted to say her piece as um, not on behalf of that organization, but just as her own personal statement. Um, but she did she did mention that um, they do rely on on cell service f often for their communications, and um, that even with the clinic or with the school, the school being an evacuation center, if there's ever island wide crisis or local localized crisis, um, while they have some. Um, back up through the generator of the fire hall for internet to continue running at the health center um, is just a matter of like having, well, you know, what if 
what if that malfunctions then is there something else that could step in yeah I do also want to say that um there was another resident I interviewed that I thought really had a good point to make in that of course safety is is very important and for most people I talk to who are in support of the tower that's usually the number one thing is that they want to be able to call 911 whenever it comes up and um I thought it was really well said that someone else spoke to that in terms of yes of course safety is important and if you're not necessarily in support of the tower it doesn't mean that you're not a, a supporter of safety <laughs> and and it's just that it's there's more to this issue and that's really what I see is that there are a lot of different layers to it and so it's um, that's a really important one um, but I think it's unfair to say it, that's all it is. Can you so I feel like we've had a number of different voices on um, today and you know again it's really hard to summarize, summarize what's a really diverse um, relatively complex issue and I think it's complex both because there's layers of different technology some of which are relatively new um, in a changing landscape um, and Nova spoke about this really well like we the the um, fiber optic uh, that City West is bringing here is already being laid in the ground the world of connectivity on this island is dramatically changing and is going to look really different in a short period of time so it feels like there's like kind of layers of complexity around the technology. The, the situation within the community is changing very quickly. And then there's also this layer of, of governance responsibility and how rural islanders um, without uh, a municipal, uh, and in this case, not only without a municipal uh, representation, but with um, with a regional district that doesn't yet have guidelines in place around telecommunications and a First Nations who also don't have um, guidelines in place around telecommunications. So it feels like layers of complexity in every possible way. Um, yet it does feel like again and again there is a common theme that comes out here which is this and maybe we're overly optimistic but it feels like this community is saying that that they have not been consulted enough and that they believe that there could be maybe better placements like maybe we won't all agree that we actually even want another cell phone tower or three as it may be but i think certainly the community would like to feel like they had some influence um, on a whole picture and on maybe where these would go if they went I'm wondering if you think that is, you know, if we can even make that statement and what other voices maybe weren't at the table today that you've heard and that you think ought to be. Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, I know that um, from Telus's point of view, they've they actually feel they've gone above and beyond what they've been um, uh, made to do due to the regulations and that for them this process has been going on for over a year and um i think that i, I hear a little bit of a note of exasperation with us <laughs> here um and um who else have we not heard from that's a really great question 
that was an interesting part too that I think on the one hand with a public consultation there's I think there could just be and I'm I'm personally also a proponent of this a public consultation in the sense that we could hear each other I'm a proponent of this in terms of just being able to understand what are the needs of other people in the community and can we discuss this and come to some sort of a conclusion um, and maybe understand the the real needs that someone has that could sway our own opinions. In fact, I've heard from at least a couple of people who said they're personally not wanting a tower, but they ultimately just really want to know how many people are. Is that really something that is coming from within the community as TELUS is saying that it is um, versus just them wanting to um, place that here because that's part of their financial plan. Um, and then on the other hand, I've heard that um, in a public setting like that, somebody might be um, shy to express their opinions because if it's seen that you know they're on an unpopular side of the equation, they could be um, kind of ostracized in the community. So again, it's I, I don't have a clear answer to that. Um, but I guess I would encourage... Or I would encourage the uh, the perspective that every voice does matter and that we don't have to agree, but I think it's important to um, understand that we, we, we have different needs and we come from different backgrounds. And um, yeah, and I think that a lot of people just want to feel that they've been heard. I, I feel like there could not be a better uh, statement to end this uh, folk you radio uh, piece on um, because, you know, fundamentally that is what folk university is built around is this idea that we, um, that we can do better by sharing our different voices and that we don't need to agree that in fact, that is part of being in a democratic um, and free community is not agreeing and to nevertheless try to come up with answers that still do the best that we can for the most people. So uh, so thank you for helping be part of that. And thank you, neighbor, because <laughs> it doesn't happen without you. You're the essential part um, of becoming more informed and, and committed and responsible and everything else. So thank you, neighbor. And thank you for, for joining in. And I know not all of you got heard. The phone is still, is still ringing and our time is up. So I will still be listening and taking your responses at the letter U at folku.ca. There's a lot more to learn and listen. You can do so um, by going to the tideline, by going to cortezradio.ca, by going to Cortez Currents. Uh, and we will try to also create some links so you can learn more after this. And also you can um, voice your your uh, approval, your support, your needs for um, changing the location, not changing the location, et cetera, by writing in um, and having your voice heard on this particular issue by those who uh, hopefully are, are listening. So thank you again, and I look forward to hopefully hearing more from you in the future. Again, if you want to write me, you can always do so at you, the letter U, at folku, F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Think. That's it for another edition of Folk U Radio. If you'd like to learn more about Folk U, 
or subscribe to our podcast series, visit us at folku.ca. That's F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Folku is produced at CKTZ 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca. My little brain's almost always got 